Today's topic is the UK cost of living crisis, and joining us for that are Labour peer, Lord Glassman, and political commentator Marina Perkett. So welcome to you both. So, the UK, as we're well aware, is in the grip of a cost of living crisis. Now, just yesterday, Rishi Sunak was saying that inflation is what's to blame for this. Obviously, it's not going down fast enough. It's still really high. That's why people can't pay their bills. It's as simple as that. Is he right? Rishi's being Rishi and he's being very misleading or lying in other words but he is it's it's reductive nonsense so of course inflation is a reason that people are struggling as a result right you know they're paying more for their shopping for everything but that's just one thing and as a government as a state you have got so many different levers that you can pull to make things easier for people and every single lever that has been pulled and I know we're going to disagree but that includes Brexit has led to costs being higher for consumers it has meant the way they have governed has meant a shift in in power, but also fundamentally in wealth from the from the poorest of people of society into the hands of the richest. And we're just seeing that continue. And energy bills, so two big drivers of inflation, energy bills. Our energy bills are one of the highest on the planet. Uh, now, of course, some of that is down to things else of our control, geopolitical, you know, war in Ukraine. But actually, a large chunk of it is down to the very tight labour market that we've got in this country now which is pushing up prices, which has been exacerbated by Brexit. We've also got the fact that um, our, this country's approach to energy, uh, energy, energy solutions, energy, energy storage, is uh, even the way we cost our energy or we pay for it is completely um, unconsumer friendly. So just to point it on this one thing and say, actually, that's not my problem, is nonsense. And actually, we've just seen the Brexit checks were delayed. Again, I'm not sure if you saw that just as well they were delayed, because that would have just impacted food inflation even more. But what Rishi Sunak is trying to do there is go, nothing to do with me. It's this one thing, this one abstract thing, and I'm your man to try and fix it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I mean, if you look over the last 40, uh, 50 years, you see that real wages have increased by 1% and corporate profits have increased by 185%. That's the really fundamental um, the fundamental thing. So I would dispute the idea that because wages have gone up, which is a good thing, is low wages, mm -hmm. that that causes inflation. What causes inflation is massively inflated asset prices. You know, um, houses, the um, all the, the money going also um, into stocks and shares, and uh, no control at at all over uh, fundamental things. I mean our energy costs, we're not dependent on Russian oil, we're not dependent on Russian gas, uh, or any of those things. We're, we're quite self-sufficient, but they've put all the prices up to fit in with global market patterns. So what you see here is a rigged system where the returns to capital are, um, are the absolute priority and need to be guaranteed uh, the greatest return at the greatest speed. And the actual substantial life, the real things in the economy, um, are at the mercy of the supermarkets or of, of large corporate um, oligarchs. So I'm with you up to the point where I think a good thing about Brexit is the wages have gone up. I think that the huge problem that we had um, was a um, low-wage economy. 
Uh, and um, I, I really dispute the idea so that... Some sectors, in some sectors, the wages have gone up. And that will be where, for example, we haven't been able to import that cheaper foreign labour, like, for example, construction. They will see, you know, prices go up, uh, salaries go up. But that's been wiped out by the cost of supply chain issues, but also raw materials. And also just, they, they are struggling. My builder, for example, we've just had big work finished on our house. He has got so much demand, but he hasn't got cheap or to do the job. Mm. So yes, maybe their wages have gone up slightly in, in some sectors, but in others, they're not seeing that. So there is no... Yeah. And also, but, what I would say about Brexit as well is that if if you really wanted and really cared about higher wages, then my concern is, especially with the government that we've got in power now, is they talk very frequently about deregulation, 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 deregulation. And if they get their way, all that's going to mean is a divergence from... EU standards that need to be upheld in terms of making sure people are actually paid properly, paid for their holiday, paid for their sick pay, paid for their maternity, paternity, etc. So actually, it could drive down wages even more. Um, it could. I was talking about the sources of inflation and what we should be concerned about. But obviously, I would be in favour of much stronger trade unions, greater uh, pay for workers, and a greater democracy, greater accountability. The problem with the EU is that it's essentially an enormous capitalist organisation where it's illegal to oppose capitalism. And this whole thing with the social rights meant that, you know, the political struggle for Labour to have greater recognition within a democratic space was subordinated. I mean, if you look at the German economy, for example, it's in a terrible crisis um, at the moment, deindustrialization, really escalating um, energy costs. You've got the AFD, which is a far-right, very nasty party. Now is the second party in Germany. Uh, Le Pen is in the lead in France, uh, for example. And all and Italy, which we've uh, talked about earlier, is virtually a dead country politically. You know, it finds it very difficult. To, you can't make any economic changes because Lisbon and Maastricht forbid those changes because you've got to have free movement of labour, capital, goods and services. So I think we're at the very early stages here of trying to find a, a democratic solution. Now, obviously, I would be pushing for um, for Labour to be pro-Labour. You know, it's not really the most um, startling for that uh, you've ever heard. Because I, I think we, we our values are shared in terms of wanting the best for people. Yeah. But I think our methods and our approach to getting there are very different. And as, as a person who's very, you know, can't say Remainer anymore because... You know, that, but would would it be? I was, yeah. You campaigned with with Michael Bowes and mm. Boris Johnson for Brexit, and we just you've just been asked now about what you see as being uh, the benefits of Brexit, and you're like, your answer is there has to be, there has to be some. I just feel that that is a very be honest, reckless approach because it feels like you, you had this utopia, you had this this vision. Um, for what you wanted to achieve once you, you know, removed yourself from the shackles of the EU, which I don't believe were shackles. And now, however many months, years, sorry, years later, it's still, there has to be, there's no plan. It's just this, like, cross our fingers and hope for the best. And I feel like, actually, what you've ended up, what you've ended up doing as a country by, by doing that, by voting for Brexit, is we've disadvantaged the very people that actually we were seeking to help. Well... You know, let, let's talk about the class basis of the Brexit vote was overwhelmingly a working class vote um, across the country because they understood that their vote was becoming irrelevant. So it's it's not like that. 
it, it's it's more like we've had 40 to 50 years of a kind of very pro-capitalist politics and Lisbon and Maastricht, I have to come in, are treaties that, that virtually make opposition to capitalism illegal because of competition law, because of um, it sort of conditions related to EU integration. So when I say we're at the early stages, this is a very big shift. Um, but, but what you can see is, is, is that there is huge democratic discontent. I would obviously like to push that into um, a left-wing way where we can actually do things like nationalization of water, like uh, common ownership of energy, like house building, give preference to local labor, actually intervene in order to train people properly. You know, all these things that, that you couldn't do before because of the constraints. So I view it as a historical process is what I'm saying. And, and I think, and I think that, um, that's why I don't think it's reckless. I just think we have a ruling class that is still so shackled by the previous era of globalization and there's nothing you can do about the economy and that they can't move. Unfortunately for now, we're going to have to leave it there. But thank you so much, everyone. That was a really thought-provoking discussion. Really, really interesting. Thank you to Philip, of course. Thank you to Bill Glassman and Marina as well. And thank you for watching. And we will see you on the next one. Mm -hmm.